What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a good Tuesday morning, Birds fans. How are you on this fine day? And I say that because I was already outside. Got the dog out already. For a change. No winds are blowing. The sun is already shining. We might actually have a spring day today. Uh, we spring into action here on Birds 365. Your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen, who went back to the turtleneck. See, I got a quasi turtle. It's a it's a golf shirt. It's a it's a golf shirt. Are there buttons on that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I thought I thought it was all the way up to the neck. I thought it was a turtleneck. No. I went quasi formula. The full button down effect today. Yeah, but my buddy went back to casual. So we we never consult each other on fashion. Neither one of us are uh, haberdashery guys. So you just got to have to put up with it. It's it's, it's what we say. Not what we look like here on Birds 365. Uh, yes, we've got plenty to uh, cut up, chow down for you over the next two hours. Uh, first thing first for me today is the fact that the Super Bowl winning coach from right here in town, Doug Peterson, was back in the Delaware Valley yesterday doing the right thing, coming back for a charity golf tournament hosted by Mike <laughs> Quick, who will be with us here tomorrow on Birds 365. Good to see the coach back in town yesterday, wasn't it, Johnny Mac? Yeah, it was. I mean, he should be here. And and he picked a, a semi-decent day. It's been chilly, as you mentioned. Doug's a huge golfer, loves golf. If you ever notice his Monday press conference, he would always have an American Century Championship. That's a celebrity golf tournament in Tahoe every year. Just constant rotation of uh, American Century Championship golf uh, shirt. So he loves the game. That's what he's been doing in South Florida since he got fired. I argue from the start, why is he not in town every day, Jody? But that we've been through that. We passed over that enough. Uh, yeah, no, not nearly enough. Uh, we'll continue to talk about it, but we'll talk about it from different perspectives going forward. Um yeah, Nick Sirianni will help to mold how Doug Peterson is treated in this town in 2021, 22, 23, 24. Depending on where the Eagles go, it will have an effect 
on uh, Doug Peterson and how he is remembered here in town. Yes, last season was ugly. And for 11 and 1, my stance uh, before Doug Peterson was ever fired, uh, and that was before Birds 365 kicked off on my radio shows, was yeah, they were bad enough year last year that the coach could get fired. You can make the argument for the coach being fired. I couldn't argue with the owner if he decided to fire Doug Peterson, and that's exactly what happened. So I'm not up in arms that, oh, my God, what the hell were the Eagles thinking? It's just such an injustice. Shoot, Jeff Lurie said, yeah, I'm not sure Doug Peterson deserves to be fired. However, and anyone <laughs> on to explain oh, why. Oh, God, Jody, you're making me re- remember that press conference. So many contradictions. My heads are already swimming. Well, he doesn't deserve to be fired, but I'm going to fire him. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're bringing back some PTSD moments. Well, but but because Doug Peterson brought himself back into town, I thought it merited reconsideration. Uh, as I said, I was okay with it. I'm not going to sit here and do 2020 hindsight and go, oh my God, how did they fire Doug Peterson? They're 4-11-1. And, and Dougie P had a big hand in that. So I was okay with that. The thing that never balanced out for me was nary a thought about Howie Roseman losing his job. If you're going to pin yeah. that big a responsibility for one massively bad year on someone like the coach, Doug Peterson, well, then you got to do it with the general manager too. And I don't think that was <laughs> ever a thought in Jeff Lurie's no. head. No. Uh, the way that it has played out since, it seems like Howie's got as big and as strong a power base as he's ever had. Uh, that's where the iniquity came into it for me, that one of the two guys who were in charge yeah. of last year's dumpster fire got his walking papers, and the other one uh, basically moved on with his life with his uh, scepter in his right hand. Yeah, I mean, I don't even get that far. Maybe it's because I know how he's not getting fired, so I don't even go down that road. To me, you said 4-11-1. and one. Yeah, typically, if you're a non-Super Bowl winning coach, I'm with you. Yeah, definitely. You should probably be fired. Or certainly, I'm not going to criticize an owner if he fires a coach coming off before 11 and 1 season. But oh, by the way, if you've got the Lombardi trophy uh, in the Novacare complex, uh, for the, you know, haven't won a championship since 1960, never won a Super Bowl before, let's use another golf term, Jody. How about a mulligan? How about a mulligan? Then if it happens again next year, okay, we can have that conversation. I don't think it would have happened, but nonetheless, yeah, I was disappointed how the organization as a whole handled the whole COVID-19 situation. I thought it would be an advantage to them in the division. Turned out to be anything but with everybody changing coaching staffs but them. So I think there was tremendous disappointment, but it went from top to bottom. It went from the owner down to everything they did. And, you know, a bunch of guys in that building looked in the mirror. We're going to talk about looking in the mirror with Tim Tebow as well for people around the country. But there are people who wouldn't look in the mirror and say, you know, I had a big part of this as well, starting with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. Mulligan, Super Bowl winning coach. I'm sorry. There's some dispensation there, Jody. There should be. Well, again, if you, if he were treated the same exact as the general manager, uh, I stated it the same way you just stated it. If you want to give everybody involved a pass because we're only uh, two years at that point removed from a Super Bowl win, 
All right, I'm buying into that. But uh, if, if an owner wants to be really reactive and take charge of his franchise and say, this is just not acceptable. There is no such thing as a mulligan. We're only responsible for the previous 12 months. Okay, that's a fair way to handle it, too. It's a little harsh, but hey, sometimes harsh is the way you have to go. Uh, I was cool with Jeffrey Laurie and what he did, but you got to be even handed with it. You can't pick and choose the guys that you're not going to give the mulligan to. And that's where I think Dougie P got uh, got stiffed. Uh, the fact that Howie is not only still large and in charge, but maybe more in charge than he's ever been. Uh, and the other thing that bothered me a little bit about Doug no longer being here is they seem to put the entire collapse of Carson Wentz's relationship with the organization at the feet of Doug Peterson. Well, yeah. coach. the coach just going to go, uh, the quarterback and the coach lost their way, uh, was a irreparable relationship. We couldn't do anything about it. Uh, so therefore we needed to move on. And that's why the coach got his walking papers. How'd that work out? Did Dougie P getting pushed out the door, uh, save the Carson Eagle relationship? Not even close. He still no. had to be bounced out of town. So if that was a driving force, and I don't know that it was, the Eagles surely would not admit to it. If it was, if that's part of what they based their decision on, didn't quite pan out the way they were hoping. Yeah, I kind of find it ironic, Jody, that they push off these bad draft picks. And some of them aren't even that bad. Like Jalen Rager, I will use as an example. I don't think you should write off Jalen Rager at all. I think he was uh, had a couple serious injuries that he was fighting through as a rookie. I think he's still got some talent. But you see this organization, you see what happened with Justin Jefferson, and they're so – you know what I described Jeffrey Lurie post-Chip Kelly? He's a scapegoater. He's always looking for somebody to scapegoat. And I use that draft choice as an example. This is a coaching staff. This is a head coach who couldn't pick his own staff at times, uh, who wasn't in charge of the draft. But, oh, if a draft choice went wrong – or it was perceived to have gone wrong outside the walls of the Novacare complex, all of a sudden, well, the coaching staff wanted, wanted that guy. Um, and they're throwing players under the bus they shouldn't even throw under the bus. Because as I said, Jalen Rager's got to be a big part of this team moving forward. I don't understand it. You know, you don't even have to go back to 4-11-1. This is a team... The year before, Jody, when they made three consecutive playoff berths and probably were in a position to win a playoff game again had Carson Wentz not suffered the concussion early in the game. I mean, let's be honest, they almost won against Seattle with Josh McCown with a torn hamstring. They probably are going to win the game if Carson's out there. You never can say uh, 100%, but they would have had a good opportunity and he fires coaches coming off of that. This guy scapegoats people. And I I don't so, understand uh, it. Are you suggesting Nick Seriani shouldn't buy any unripe fruit? That uh, he, he could I, be a one-and-done guy in this town? Well, I would say you get a little bit of a shelf life as a first-time rookie head coach. Nobody went, unless it goes, you know, you're talking two and 14, well, two and 15. 15 now. Two and 15. Um, yeah. He might get fired. But unless it's that kind of disaster, you're going to have a little bit of a shelf life. But I'll tell you what, if I was an assistant coach, I wouldn't, I'd rent. I wouldn't buy. I'll tell you that.
And that's one thing we hadn't touched on about Dougie P. And I know you reported on a lot of people did. Again, not been confirmed. Uh, our buddy John Clark did some hustle to get to Doug at the golf tournament yesterday. I'm sure he wouldn't have answered the question if asked. Was the straw that broke the camel's back? Because let, let us remember, as long as we're walking down memory lane, with a week to go in the season, all signals were Doug Peterson was staying as the Eagle coach. Yeah. That uh, they weren't looking to make a change. But somehow, last week of the season... The unstoppable Nate Sudfeld, who made that decision, mm -hmm. and two mano a mano meetings between the coach and the owner, and Doug Peterson was told, "Here are your walking papers." What happened in those two meetings? There's a good chance that Doug finally flexed his muscles and said, "Yeah, no, 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 you're not firing anybody on my coaching staff. I'm going to elevate guys for my coaching yeah. staff," and that he just basically helped fire himself that he said, you push me around long enough when it comes to dictating my coaching staff. I did kind of win a Super Bowl for you guys. So, yes, we had a god-awful year this year, but uh, this stuff's got to stop. Here's what I want to do with my coaching staff. And Jeff said, really? You're coming in and flexing in my office? No, uh, Doug, sorry. Your coaching yeah. days are over here in Philadelphia. That's exactly what happened. I mean, um, Doug put his foot down. Because of what happened before with Mike Rowe, uh, he really wanted to keep Mike Rowe as offensive coordinator. I reported that time and time again. That's not popular with the fan base because for whatever reason, they blame Mike Rowe for everything. Uh, after the Super Bowl with this offense, I think you saw very similar with Carson Wentz's relationship, what you mentioned, Jody. Once you saw Mike Rowe leave, oh, you kind of figured out maybe he wasn't the problem. Because nothing got better. It got yeah, worse. It got worse. Yeah. But so Doug is very loyal to his guys. You know, a little inside baseball. He wanted to elevate Press Taylor to offensive coordinator. He he wanted to elevate Matt Burke to defensive coordinator. Now, I think Press is the best example here because Press predated Doug Peterson uh, in the Eagles organization. Uh, he He was here with Chip Kelly. And when he was brought in, I can't tell you how many times people in that organization told me what a great up and coming coach this is. What a bright offensive mind. This guy's got such a great future. Then the minute Doug takes an interest in him, puts him under the wing, then he's incompetent. This is what I'm talking about with the disconnect in this organization and the scapegoating of this organization. You know, and by the way, it's one guy, Jody. It's one guy because the vast majority of people in that building like Press Taylor. I'm not trying to say it's it's one guy who gets it in his craw that Mike Rowe stinks or Carson Walsh stinks or Press Taylor stinks, and we got to get in the outside boys, the grass is always greener mentality. This has been going on since post-Chip Kelly, but, you know, post-Super Bowl which is the bizarre part to me right. because after you win the Super Bowl, shouldn't there be some, look, it's good to want another one, but shouldn't there be some self-awareness and saying, Oh, we finally got it done. This is the group that got it done. Maybe this group gets the benefit of the doubt as opposed to all the other groups. And remember you had one of the greatest groups of all time with Andy Reid. That 1990 coaching staff, 
if they put coaching staffs in a Hall of Fame, that'd be a first ballot Hall of Fame right. coaching staff. This organization's had some great coaches. No self-awareness by this owner. None. Zero. You made an interesting point, and I don't think you even meant to make it, but it uh, hit home with me. Thanks, Jody. After the Super Bowl, as you say, Super Bowl, was it because Doug got more credit than he deserved in the eyes of the owner, that he was lauded and given all these hosannas for being the leader of the Super And in someone's eyes, maybe the owner, um, he didn't get quite enough credit for being the guy who hired the people, who put him in place, that it was an ego thing, that, yes, Doug Peterson was the coach, but who let him hire all those guys? Who basically handpicked the coaching staff for him? Why is Doug Peterson getting it? I'm not saying he doesn't deserve any credit, but why is he getting all the credit? Is that the reason why it came apart so quickly? Well, we saw it up close with Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Now, if you would have told me before the Super Bowl, I, I would have never thought that Jeffrey Lurie would be that type of guy. I mean, if you're in this industry, you know as an owner and you win the Super Bowl, well, nobody's talking about who owned the Dolphins when Don Shula was there, who owned the Steelers. I mean, everybody knows it's the Roonies, but you talk about Chuck Knoll and, and, and four Super Bowls. Nobody talks about the owner. Of course, the coach is going to get credit. You know, everybody knows Robert Kraft, but, you know, Bill Belichick gets the credit. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what you would expect as an owner. So I never expected him to be like Jerry Jones. But, yeah, if you look at it in hindsight, what other explanation is there than this group? And I think it's Jeffrey Lurie more than Howie Roseman, but both of them think they were more responsible for Super Bowl 52 than the head coach. That's abundantly clear. That is abundantly clear. And unfortunately, that is the reason that, uh, in part, Doug Peterson is no longer here. We're looking forward to watching Nick Sirianni. And as a matter of fact, Nick gets his first chance to do a little coaching. Starting on Friday, the Eagles rookie mini minicamp uh, yesterday, uh, you just sat there and ripped Jalen Hurts. No, I did not the- rip Jalen Hurts. I, I, you know, people hear what they want to hear. I expect that from the fan base. I don't expect it from you, Jody. People I, blame the messenger. I hope I'm, people. I hope people uh, pick up on my laugh here that yeah. I'm just pimping you here. You yeah. didn't rip Jalen Hurts. You just uh, gave an opinion and you put him in what you thought was a proper perspective. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm giving you a hard time, but glad you picked well, up. I on know. That. Um, but, uh, but I mean, look, I'm just telling people. I always say, do you want to be lied to? Because I can lie to you. Yeah, it's not happening on this show. No, not, it does not. You're happen. not lying to anybody. I'm no. not lying to anybody. Uh, so don't lie to me now. Will Jalen Hurts be in attendance this weekend? It is the rookie, no, it's a rookie mini camp. No, he can't be. It's why it's not? Only, it's only rookie and first year players. Now he might be in the building. Well, he might be. He might be doing some things as as a quarterback, as a leader. We all know how that goes. You're kind of expected to be around. But as far as the on-field stuff, veterans aren't even allowed uh, to to participate. So he's a veteran now. He's not a first-year player. He played. He didn't get hurt. Um, so he's in that voluntary OTA kind of stuff. Um, and that's normal course of action for the NFL. And we'll see. But that's 
what we have to see about voluntary work in this league. If it's going to happen, the union is pushing. It looks like it's not going to happen. And that's a big concern when you have a young quarterback that, you know, and, and by the way, a new offensive scheme. Every Everything's got to get rolling as quickly as possible. So after they finish up these uh, rookie mini camps, you're telling me that Jalen Hurts can't be in the locker room and go, yo, Devontae, you want to go out and get a catch? And yeah, they go back well, out. Yeah. I, I mean, they're not permitted to not speak. They just can't do on-field work. Yeah, I mean, look, Jalen and Devontae know each other. We're going to have Jeff Kerr on. He just wrote about it, their relationship right. in, at, at Alabama. Um, yeah, I mean, he, that's that's the strength of Jalen Hurts. Everybody loves this guy. Everybody on this team in this locker room. Put that in the headlines, Xander Krause. They instead of <laughs> ripping them. The uh, anti Jalen Hurts guy, uh, John McMullen, here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. I'm Jody McDonald. Yes, <laughs> as John just alluded. Uh, we're going to get Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com to join us next. we got a lot of birds to talk about here on a Tuesday edition of Birds 365. If you missed any of today's if you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Good day, everyone. It's Krause here at Jacob Media. Why am I wearing a Carson Wentz NFC East Pro Bowl jersey? Well, it's the only jersey I will not be able to give away this season, but we will be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys at our 2021 NFL schedule release special broadcast, all presented by Pure Bull. The broadcast will be Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to midnight. You must be subscribed. You must be present to win, and we'll give away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. Also, as we get closer to the season, Tickets for every single game on the schedule, both home and away, plus our bus trip and experiences for fans that you will never find anywhere else. All part of the Jacob Media Network. See you next time, everybody. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-R! 
Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Tuesday edition of Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Hey, big next couple of days in the National Football League. Birds and the other 32 teams included in that t- tomorrow night is the big reveal of the upcoming schedule for 2021. We already know who everybody's playing. We just need to know when uh, those games are going to come down. And then at the end of the week, first rookie mini camps. All the guys drafted and signed as undrafted free agents get to show their wares in town with their new teams here to give us some insight from a bird's perspective and we might ask him an overall nfl question or two is a writer from cbsports.com jeff kerr hops aboard with us here on birds 365 jeff jody mac john mcmone how are you doing this morning oh i'm doing pretty good jody you know just getting ready for the schedule release uh getting ready for the nfl season what we're almost at that 100 day point Hundred days. You're right, Jeff. So excited. We could play It's a Win, It's a Loss in May, which will always be very meaningful. But I did want to ask, you got to talk to DeMonte Smith before the draft. I should have mentioned that pre-draft. Talking about a potential reunion, I believe, with Jalen Hurts. And obviously it ended up uh, coming to fruition, which was a bit of a theme, by the way, at the top of the draft. If you think about you know, Jalen Waddell and Tua, and you think about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, uh, getting this chemistry back to bet, uh, to back together. How do you think it's going to work out? And what do you think of Devontae Smith as a prospect? Well, it was funny, John. When I was talking to him, I just happened to bring up, I'm like, well, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, and, you know, we're talking about you know, the Eagles. And he said, well, I don't know that much about them. And all of a sudden, he goes, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts is there. You know, I'd love to play with him. And, you know, the, I was like, so – what's the deal with the Eagles? Like, if you talk to them and he wouldn't leak that info, but he was like, well, he, he didn't say it out loud, but it, you know, you guys know it's one of those, well, they'll trade up to get me if they have the chance. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I guess that's who they're going to trade up for. It's not going to be a cornerback or maybe the Eagles knew a cornerback was going to be off the board. I don't know, but I love the fact that he's paired with Hertz. I think that helps him. You know, Devonta Smith was like the number four, number five wide receiver on that depth chart in 2017. And he caught the winning touchdown pass against Mississippi State. That was his, I think, his only target of that game. And Hurts threw a perfect strike to him. And I remember um, talking to a couple of Alabama people. They said Hurts knew exactly where he was going to be on that play. And that's why they went to him. And if they're doing that as freshmen, what are they going to do now, four years later? They have that chemistry. They have that repertoire. I think it's going to be really exciting for the Eagles offense. I want to get your take on this. Uh, Draft night. Jalen Hurts gets selected, as John just noted, be receiving balls from another former Alabama quarterback, um, his buddy Tua Tungabaloa. But he gets picked first, and they had all the draft picks separated in the back in their own little room, and they came out to that uh, general area in the middle and uh, dapping and high-fiving and everything else. And we saw Jalen celebrate with Devonta there, but that meant that Jalen Waddle was coming off the board first, and Devonta had to hang around for three more picks before he heard his name called. 
good rivalry between the two? Will Will Smith now be able to use that as motivation that, you know, I should have been the first wide receiver, ta- the first, certainly the first Alabama wide receiver taken. I know they're friends and they looked excited for each other, but can he turn that into a motivation that he did get passed over for his teammate? I almost think this could be like the Justin Jefferson thing with the Vikings. Like, wait a minute, you chose Jalen Rager over me? Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> I was the fourth wide receiver taken this draft. I'm the best wide receiver in this class. I, I feel like Devonta Smith, his accolades speak for themselves. And, you know, Jalen Waddle, he had a really good year last year, but it wasn't on the level of Devonta Smith. And Jamar Chase had all those records in 2019. Devonta Smith basically looked him in the eye and said, man, I could beat that. And, you know, I, I think that is going to be motivation for him. It goes, look, what do I have to do here? If you're going to knock me because I'm 166 pounds, but I literally play in every game. I never get hurt. And, you know, he was hurt once in the national championship game. Oh, by the way, he had 12 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half of that game. So who knows what he could have done? Yeah, this is going to be excellent motivation for him to prove to the NFL world, like, you guys made a mistake. Like, you should have prepared Tua with me. Or Cincinnati, you wanted to be dumb enough to take a receiver at number five. You should have took me. You shouldn't have took Jamar Chase. So, Jeff, do you get a sense, if you go back a year and you think about that receiving room, as you mentioned, in Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, now, in some ways, you, you if you're a younger player, you might say, well, it's Alabama. i got to wait my turn. And then he ultimately turns into, you know, let's be honest, that's the most historic receiving season in college football history. And he's still thought of by NFL people, probably a little bit behind Jalen Waddell. Um, did, did you get that that has an impact on him, even going back to Alabama? Like, I'm the best guy in this room. Why yeah. is Judy Ruggs playing? Well, you know, the irony of it is, John, with Jalen um, – Sorry, not Jane Law. Uh, Devonta Smith, there was talk that he was the best receiver in that room, even with Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. There was a lot of talk about that. They're like, well, these two are good, but they're not even the best on their own team. It's Smith and Wong. And a lot of people were starting to think that they're like, okay, this like last year's wide receiver class was historic. What's going to be this year's? And I feel like that motivated Devonta Smith to be even better after seeing the year that Jerry Judy had, after seeing the year that Henry Ruggs had. And, you know, they go. Henry Ruggs was the first one taken at 12. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. Are we going to actually have like Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle with Jalen Waddle was healthy, which, you know, he ended up only playing five games, but you know, point aside, like, are these guys not going to be top 10 players? Are we really going to go down this, this route? And the fact that they got three wide receivers taken in an historic quarterback class where, you know, ultimately I thought five are going to go in the top 10 and eventually Mac Jones and go to 15. I was kind of surprised by that because these guys are such difference makers at the position. And it almost seemed like they were going to fall to, you know, Devonta Smith was going to fall to the Giants and Jalen Law was going to fall to the Eagles at 12. That's how it looked like it was going to be, but the Eagles had to make their move to trade up to get a guy like that, or they were going to miss out again. And I- I'm sorry, I just don't think Kadarius Tony or Terrence Marshall, as good players as they are, were going to move the needle like Devonta Smith did. Jeff, the uh, pressure now on Devonta Adams is uh, Devonta Smith is palpable. It is what it is. Not so much the fact that he was the Heisman Trophy winner, because he did fall down to number 10. I thought he was going to be a top five, six pick. Uh, So that should relieve some of the pressure, one would think. But he's joining an Eagle Corps 
that didn't get the job done last year, that we're not sure exactly what they are going to bring to the table. What is Jalen Rager going to be this year? Will J.J. Sager-Whiteside ever contribute? He's the man in that room right away. Is he up to the challenge? Will that be something that motivates him? I think one thing that's going to help Devonta Smith is he doesn't know about the Eagles' history of failed wide receivers. <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't know about Kenny Jackson being the number four pick in 1984, and he didn't pan out. You know, he doesn't know that the Eagles really haven't had a true number one wideout since Terrell Owens. Like he knows who Terrell Owens is, but he doesn't know about, about the history of, especially the recent history of Eagles and wide receivers. I mean, if you look back on it, the Eagles only had I, I think what two Pro Bowl wide receivers they drafted since 1990, and one one of them's Fred Barnett. So you know, make it that as you will. I, I think he's going to walk in there and he's going to say, look, I'm the top dog. I'm going to be the guy to change the culture in this locker room. And I think that's how guys like Devonta Smith look at that. You know, they learn from Nick Saban and, and Alabama. Like, and he's had different offensive coordinators there too. It wasn't like he had a, a, a single offensive coordinator in Alabama. He's had Sarkeesian. He's had guys you know, come in and out of there, Lane Kiffin, and he still was able to produce. And I, I feel like now when you get to a wide receiver savant like Nick Seriani, it's going to benefit him <laughs> tremendously. He's going to learn from him. And I think he's going to be one of those guys who just makes an instant impact in this league. And whether it's – the confidence is definitely there. And that's one thing I always liked about Jalen, right? The confidence is definitely there. It's whether the number on the field can produce. And I think we're going to see both. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports. Thrilled to have you, Jeff. I want to talk to you about the position, the value as a whole, because you mentioned historic wide receiver classes, really, last year, this year, potentially. Justin Jefferson is a name you mentioned. He had an historic year for rookie wide receiver in this league. He went to a team that was pretty good. That team went backwards. Now, it wasn't his fault defensively they had so many injuries so many losses in free agency nonetheless my best example of this is Calvin Johnson who was one of the great receivers of all time went number two overall first ballot hall of famer what impact did he have on the Detroit Lions my 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 question is does wide receiver can a wide receiver have enough impact to be in the top 10 conversation or is it about circumstance and that this was a very weak year when it came to edge rushers and not weak, but not as strong with offensive line. Yeah. And that's what we got to figure out. I think for a team like the Eagles, it makes them better because their offensive line is healthier. And that's one thing with in Detroit and Minnesota. Minnesota had a god-awful offensive line last year. Like Everybody wants to rip on Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was still able to complete passes and find ways to move the ball downfield despite getting pummeled the entire season. And that was one thing I was getting frustrated with Carson Wentz last year. I, I know he didn't have the receivers Kirk Cousins had, but he had a, a you know a different makeshift offensive line. And and all that, and they weren't able to produce. And this is why I felt the Eagles needed to get a wide receiver in there because they needed to help Jalen Hurts no matter what. Like, they couldn't go into the year with Travis Fulgham and um, Jalen Rager and J.J. Ardega-Whiteside and Greg Ward. They just couldn't. Like, the Eagles haven't had a wide receiver get over 600 yards since Nelson Aguilar three years ago. So they needed a guy like that in there. Do I think this translates to more wins immediately? Yes. Uh, Long-term, we'll have to see. The Eagles have to continue building in the trenches. I, I, I like what they did at defensive tackle. 
Um, edge rusher, again, you know, outside of Brandon Graham, we really don't know if Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat can take that next level, but they are good edge rushers there. Linebacker's still a concern to me. Uh, again, you're right, John. It's a whole team effort, but I feel like if the Eagles get good over time, we're going to look back at this Devonta Smith pick and say, hey, you know what? This started everything. This is going to be the difference maker for them. Let's stay in the trenches because Johnny Mack loves that stuff. Um, <laughs> I think it has to do with he thought that's where the Eagles were going in the first round. I well, said I always good. think that. Yeah, I'd say it was going to be history says so. <laughs> and it ended up being uh, Mr. Smith. But they went right back into the trenches with their second pick and took Landon Dickerson, who, of course, is an injury risk player. If he can stay healthy, could be a steal in the second round because he's got Pro Bowl type potential. But in doing so, they did skip over the cornerback position. And they did so again in the third round and didn't go to corner. Probably the area of biggest need on this team until the fourth round. Do you tip your cap to them and say you didn't worry about immediate needs of 2021 and didn't overdraft a corner there and got the best positional player, uh, even if he comes with an injury risk? Or do you say, how do you not get a corner in a draft where you so desperately need corners, not till the fourth round. What was your take on Howie Roseman's direction after Devonta Smith? I thought he took a playbook from Chris Ballard, who they the Colts didn't draft the left tackle at all. They just decided we need one, but we are not going to reach for one. And where it ended up on the board, there wasn't any worth taking. And they, they were, you know, they were fortunate enough to get Eric Fisher in free agency. And that's how I kind of looked at. The Eagles draft, it was, okay, do we really want to draft a cornerback here at 37? I know there are guys that are worth it, but there are a lot of talented offensive linemen. Then the Eagles started the trend after they selected Dickerson. Offensive tackles and offensive linemen just went off the board like crazy. I think there were 10 and 11, 10 or 11 that went in the second round of that draft. And Eagles got arguably the best one because he can play center. He can play guard. If he's healthy, he's a bona fide starter, probably going to be a Pro Bowl level player. I'd love to watch him land Dickerson at Florida State, at Alabama. I thought he was tremendous for them. They have a long-term replacement for Jason Kelsey. Whenever he decides to hang him up, he probably could start a guard this year if, if he was healthy. That's how highly I think of Landon Dickerson. But, yeah, it, it's they could have gotten an Asante Samuel. They could have gotten an Aaron Robson in the third round. As we saw, they traded down because they you know, they, they obviously felt uh, Milton Williams was a more valuable selection there. And, and that's fine. You know, they helped out in the trenches. But it, it seemed like if they were going to go cornerback, it was going to be in the first round. And, the, you know, the two cornerbacks that were worth taking that high were off the board. So you trade up and you get Devonta Smith. You get the best player available. And it seems like that's what – they stuck to their board at number 10, at number 37, and when they traded down at number 73. And they did, I didn't think they reached for uh, Zach McPherson. I thought he was fine being a fourth-round talent. Uh, I'm glad they didn't trade up in the third round to get him, but I'm glad the Eagles felt so highly of him. They were pretty pumped up when they got the pick. I, but I agree with you, Jody. I, I just a little worried that they're going to put too much pressure on Zach McPherson because they don't have a cornerback. Here's the thing. There are some decent guys available in free agency, but I, I just don't know why the Eagles aren't getting them now, or maybe they're just waiting a bit. Who knows? Well, you mentioned Wil Milton Williams a little bit, uh, Jeff, and you said they liked him. Well, not not everybody. Yeah, they're not that everybody. Was, <laughs> that was the big kerfuffle with Tom Donahoe, Howie Roseman. I think it was a little bit overblown. But nonetheless – in this draft of all drafts, I see Tom Donahoe's perspective um, around the league. The thought was, 
it's not the deepest draft in the world. So why are you going down three spots to get an extra six round pick in a draft? You don't really want an extra six round pick. So uh, did you think Howie was trying to do a little bit too much there? Yeah, I did. Um, I felt the same way that you just saw. Why would you trade down in a draft that probably after 125, there wasn't anybody worth taking. They were all pretty much they weren't even fourth round talents they were probably sixth round talents and then when you got to the fifth round these guys would be under the free agents in a normal year but because of covid yeah. obviously. so and what bothered me was when the eagles got that fifth round pick from washington for 2022 i'm like great move howie what pick did you use to get that oh wait you didn't even use the fifth the the sixth round pick you traded down for you actually selected at 194 so yeah i didn't understand trading down there i i Get Howie Roseman likes to trade. He can't help himself. But I don't know. Trading from 70 to 73, I, I thought at 70, you could have just got Milton Williams there. Maybe the Eagles uh, had him higher on their board than most other people. And uh, the defensive tackle from Detroit was obviously the the one that uh, – Aline McNeil. Yeah, Aline yeah, McNeil. Yeah, that seemed to be the one that they had disagreements on. And I'm thinking, well, maybe the Eagles wanted Aaron Robinson. They thought he'd – go down but then the Giants traded up and they were able to get him so who knows how everything played out but yeah I, I just didn't like Howie Rosen getting too cute there um you know everybody was praising Dave Gelman for training down twice and I'm like okay yeah he got the 2022 first round pick that's great and all but this isn't the draft you trade down Trader Dave this wasn't the draft to do that I, I know you got the first round pick but I, I, I don't know to me like I would have been highly disappointed if Eagles were to trade down in the first round just because of I, I don't even care about 2022 at this point anymore. It, it was one of those when you trade down from 12 in a draft where there were 15 bona fide players, you know, taken. I, I don't know. It's I, I just never understood the train down this year. It's funny that you go there because uh, Mike Sando, who writes for the Athletic, yesterday conjectured <laughs> the Eagles actually didn't play the draft day game as well as they should have or could have that they could have actually stayed at 12, not trade up to 10 to get Devonta Smith, then they would have been in position to make the trade with the Bears so the Bears could move up and get the quarterback and add another first-round pick to their booty of future first-round picks. And then yeah. they would have the biggest cachet to be able to get Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson if that ever uh, breaks down in Seattle. Or, or real, this, real quick, or what? real quick, Jeff, they could have took the – quarterback themselves yeah, exactly and uh, you know i kept saying to myself if justin fields is there at 12 and they don't yeah. trade up you better take it you, you, yeah. you know he, to me he's the second best quarterback in the draft i i can't believe he's on the bears right now yeah everybody's talking about that trade down and i'll go back to jody because i interrupted him but yeah um four first round picks i think is a little bit too much you don't need that potentially so i don't have a problem it, evidently, Chicago called up at number eight, I believe, and all the way through 13 and said, we got to move up. We got to get this quarterback. So the Eagles were in that cluster and they had the ability to trade out. My question is, why not take the quarterback? What, what did the Eagles see in Justin Fields that most of us didn't see? It was, was it the epilepsy, just not liking the quarterback? How do you look at Justin Fields and say, this guy isn't as valuable as a Jalen Hurts? 
See, that's the thing. I think the Eagles looked at it as, well, we invested a 2022nd round pick in this guy, and we traded our old franchise quarterback so this guy could play. But I think all bets are off when a guy like that falls. I don't know what the Eagles see sometimes when they evaluate quarterback prospects, you know. And I was wondering this in 2016 when they trade all the way up to get Carson Wentz. I'm like, well, this guy better be like a pro bowl, all pro quarterback. Because you're trading all these picks of the Browns, you went up from what it was. To, what were they initially? Thirteen to eight. Thirteen, and then, yeah, yeah, eight, and then eight to two. And I'm like, well, this guy better be at least you know an all pro, and he was until the the knee injury. So I, I guess you could say they got it right there. But I always wonder what they look at when they evaluate quarterbacks. Ever since Andy Reid left, it was okay. So what does what failed in Justin Fields' tape? Like the guy can move to the left and throw on the run. Um, Ohio State, I thought Ryan Day actually did a terrible job managing him because he was better than his numbers indicate, and he was the first Big Ten quarterback to throw for 40 touchdowns and I think run for 10 touchdowns in a season. And I don't even think Day ran him enough. I, like, I, I felt like he hindered him a bit. And I, I don't know, maybe the Eagles taught the Day because he was uh, formerly on the coaching staff and maybe Day gave yeah. a, a little inside info there on what to expect from the guy. Maybe it was the history of the Ohio State quarterback that scared him off. I, I, I don't know, but I, I just see an amazing talent that is going to succeed in a passing league. Oh, which, by the way, it seems like now the Lamar Jacksons and the Josh Allens and these guys that can run are just taking over the quarterback world and we're just living in it. And I felt Justin Fields would be – an excellent fit, but maybe the Eagles feel like, hey, you know what? We have this guy in Jalen Hurts. We have a second-round value here. Let's give this guy every opportunity in the world to succeed. And then if he doesn't, we'll go back to the drawing board in 2022 when there's a Spencer Rattler available and uh, the kid from Liberty. I always forget his name already. I'm sure I'll remember yeah. in about a week or two. <laughs> but, you know, when you when you got guys like that, Sam Howell, you know, the, that's when we'll actually use this collateral and we'll get our franchise quarterback then. You know, uh, well, I know John knows, uh, Jeff, you may, I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. I had him as the number two uh, ranked player in the draft, too. Disappointed that the Jets didn't take him at two, falling all the way down. Yes, I, I thought the Eagles should have done so, but I think you did a good job answering the question. Committed's committed. They were committed to Jalen Hurts. I think once you got past the first two quarterbacks, there was no quarterback that the Eagles were going to take at any point. In the first round, they were going to give Jalen Hurts their shot going forward. We'll see if it works out. I think Justin Fields could be the answer in Chicago. Their first one in, oh, I don't know, 70 years. You give Jimmy Mack credit. He was the quarterback of a Super Bowl winning team. Got to go back to Sid Luckman. Exactly. Uh, I've not... never had a 4,000-yard or dirty touchdown passer. I've never heard of such a thing. I, right. I mean, in Philadelphia, we didn't have one until when. So, you know, I right. guess we have, but. I, it's it's actually incredible. They're the only franchise that never have either of those two things, and they might have one this year. Justin Fields could be that guy. And, oh, by the way, not a lot of faith. No, we got an entire year before we get there, but I don't think this upcoming year's quarterback class will come close to measuring up. So the Eagles may be in position to take yeah. advantage, but are they really going to take advantage with someone who's worthy taking advantage of? Uh, but I digress. Um, the old saying is you never get a second chance at a first impression. Nick Sirianni gets his chance to make him his first impression on players this week. He's given us in the media and the fan base a first impression. Didn't really go all that well. People kind of picked him apart for the way that he handled himself in his introductory press conference. But he is showing improvement and getting better. Both John and I are fans of his optimism and his enthusiasm. Will that play 
first time in a locker room where he's as comfortable as he should be. That's his classroom. How will he play with the players? I think it'll work out well with the players just because it's that younger voice. It's that fresh voice. And he just seems like, I don't want to call him the anti-Doug Peterson, but I, I feel like, you know, you'll, we won't be hearing about uh, Hagen Doss ice cream or anything like that. He's going he's gonna to come in there and he's going to be like, all right, boys, we're, we're not going to play rock, paper, scissors today. We're going to talk about football. You're going to compete with me and I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you that. And you know what? As someone who, you know, I didn't play a high level of football. I played high school football, but I always liked coaches that were always fired up and they, they got you ready to go out no matter what it was. And like, wow, this guy's excited to come out here. Why, why shouldn't I be? And I feel like he's going to be like that exciting teacher on the first day of school that, you know, we're going to learn all this stuff. And we're going to get better. And I, I just think the guy's going to be a, a good motivator for them. I, I don't think it's going to be like a quiet motivation here. He's going to try to get these veterans all, if any veterans show up, I should say, all, all rather. But the yeah. rookie many, but the rookies here, I, I, I think that, you know, this is going to be their first taste of the NFL head coach. So it's going to be new. It's going to be different. And it's probably going to be very familiar to what they've experienced in college. Cause I know a lot of college coaches are like Sarah. They get very excited about stuff. It's, you know, they want to have fun at their job and they want players to have fun at their job. And it doesn't feel like it's it's going to be a job. You know, you're out here playing the game that you love. And I feel like Sirianni is going to be like that to these guys. And I, I'm really curious to see how he coaches like the younger guys, like Devonta Smith, uh, Landon Dickerson, some of these uh, rookie undrafted free agents uh, that come in here. It, it, even if, you know, some of the later round draft picks, you know, how he's going to impact them. It, it's going to be really interesting to hear them on zoom calls saying, Hey, you know, what did Nick Sirianni do like his first day? And <laughs> if I hear rock, paper, scissors again, I'll oh be ballistic. <laughs> Jeff, that is my one concern. The guy never wins in rock, paper, scissors. Everybody who <laughs> plays beats him. That's the worst is competitive. I got to see some winning here. Yeah. What does he do? Does he go with scissors all the time? Everybody yeah. goes rock. I don't understand. It's, you know, I, I always see it when Andrew McCutcheon hits a home run when he, when he does it with the third base coach, I'm like, Andrew, just go rock. You, can, you know, uh, no one ever goes paper. Just go rock, and he, you're always pretty safe. <laughs> and there's uh, some Rose Jambo advice from Jeff Kerr. I like it. I, I, Jeff I, also I, covers the NFL, so I want to shift Jody real quick. I want to shift Aaron Rodgers. Got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Biggest story in the, the National Football League. Jeff, other than Denver, I don't see a path to Aaron Rodgers anywhere this season. So it's, to me, it's either Green Bay, Denver, or retirement. Is there any other option? No, there isn't. Um, I actually, before I came on here, I'm writing a piece on the winners and losers of the draft, so to speak, or you know who benefit from the draft. And I put Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be a winner regardless. He gets to either stay in Green Bay and compete for a Super Bowl again, even though he'll be miserable. He still has a really talented team there. <laughs> Or he gets to go to the Denver Broncos who decided, nah, we're not going to take Justin Fields at quarterback. We're not going to do that. We have a chance to get Aaron Rodgers. Oh, by the way, we drafted Patrick Sertan. We have all of a sudden one of the best secondaries in football when it, that position looked dire uh, a month ago before they got Kyle Fuller. And, you know, they have all the pieces in place. Like Aaron Rodgers will never have a wide receiving core like he has in Denver right now. You have Tim Patrick. I don't know why I mentioned Tim Patrick first, because you have Jerry Dewey. You have K.J. Hamler. You, you have the uh, Cortland Sutton coming back. Deshaun Hamilton's like your number five wide receiver. Melvin Gordon is fine. Uh, if Jawan James was healthy, he'd, he'd have an awesome offensive line there. But Denver's offensive line is still pretty good. Oh, by the way, Denver – 
has the second most cap space in the NFL, so they can afford to do this. They have first-round picks. It's almost like a marriage made in heaven at this point. And Aaron Rodgers, the confederate that he is, would love to go face Patrick Mahomes twice a year and try to wreak havoc on the AFC West. So it's Denver or bust. I don't see him going to the Raiders, even though the Raiders could say, hey, look, we'll give you Derek Carr because you're going to have to give him Derek Carr. So at least Green Bay will have a quarterback there in place, even though they have Jordan Love. I can't see him going anywhere else at this point. I feel like the 49ers passed on that opportunity. I mean, that would have been a marriage for me in heaven, but they're like, nah, we're going Aaron Rodgers. We're good on Justin Fields. We'll draft Trey Lance and see how that works. Understood the Rodgers versus Mahomes for the next couple of years, twice a year. Great narrative. Some of the pieces player-wise with the Denver Broncos right now, whatever, great narrative. The head coach with Aaron Rodgers? I'm not sure about that defensive-minded head coach. Do they just make Aaron the offensive coordinator and say, yeah, you design the play. You draw everything up. We'll turn it all over to you, Aaron. I guess he'd probably like that. Does yeah. that really work uh, <laughs> with Denver's setup with their head coach? If I, was guy Pat, to- if I'm Pat Shermer, I'd do that. I'd be like, no, Aaron, you know more about football than I do. Here you go. Use that Jeopardy mind of yours and yeah. – figure out figure out the the questions to the answer at this point you know you can sling the ball around you can call the plays you can be like Peyton Manning here and you know we'll all get famous maybe Pat Sherman will get a third chance to become a head coach if that happens yeah I think the one point we we haven't brought up is John Elway's presence there's nobody else in the world who a knows what it's like to be a superstar quarterback himself and he's already been through it with Peyton Manning late in his career Jeff, I, I see a perfect situation for Aaron Rodgers in Denver. The only question is that the Packers act, acquiesce and let him out. If I'm John Elway, if you get the chance to talk to Aaron Rodgers, this is the one thing I would say to him. I just put my hand on his shoulder and say, you know, I got Peyton Manning here, right? <laughs> and look what happened. And they won games. Manning wasn't Manning when they won the Super Bowl, but they went to two Super Bowls. They won a lot of football games. Uh, Denver was the best team in football for a four-year stretch there. This could be us. We have the pieces in place. And, yeah, that's the thing. It's where the Packers will let this guy go. And if I'm Green Bay, I'm certainly not letting him go because he's Aaron Rodgers. But if you get a killer trade haul for him, and if you're ready to just reset the franchise and think Jordan Love is the guy, which I don't think they, they think he's the guy yet but at the same time you know this is green bay was a franchise i don't know if you remember this john green bay selected the quarterback in the second round the year aaron Rodgers was supposed to start yeah you know, so yeah. they brought in competition for him and because i don't know what they didn't think he could do it or what the difference was there but in denver he is going to be the alpha male he's going to be a superstar and like you said john they've had good quarterbacks there john l craig morton in a way was a good quarterback for them he took them to a super bowl you know there's a lot of pressure to win in Denver just because of the presence of John Elway. And John Elway can get Aaron Rodgers through that. I mean, John Elway is already a godlike figure in Denver anyway. Can you imagine what Aaron Rodgers is going to be the minute he shows up there? Jeff, last one for me. Um, if your editor at CBSports.com assigned you to be on the uh, call for the introductory press conference for Tim Tebow for the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
Will you be Zooming 25 minutes early or will you have major computer issues that will not allow you to take part in the Zoom of the reintroduction of Tim Tebow to the National Football League? I wish Urban Meyer was still in that press conference because I'd be the I'd say to him, Richard Rogers, Trey Burton, um, they don't have jobs. What makes you think he should have them right now? <laughs> That's all I would say. I, I I can't believe this guy, you know, he works hard, he gets all these you know, he, he works hard. He's following his dream. Yeah, we all follow our dreams. You know, hey, give me a break. This guy should have changed the tight end 10 years ago. I, I, I'll i never understand the Tim Tebow love. And, and I fell for it because when he was in minor league baseball, I was in the game. I was in Buffalo, just happened to be up there seeing Niagara Falls, and we realized Tim Tebow was playing. So we decided to go see um, the Braves play, and Tebow was playing for uh, the Mets AAA team. I think it was Syracuse or whatever. Worst baseball player I ever seen. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's a good play. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I, I don't understand. I've never seen such a, an attention snob like Tim Debo at this point. Yeah, by the way, I told Jody this yesterday, Jeff. Tim Tebow's the only quarterback I've ever seen throw football over the hedges at the Novacare complex, which is very, very difficult. Wait a Christian Hackenberg was at the Novacare complex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it was very difficult to do. But you do bring up an interesting point. If he changed positions 10 years ago, we might not be having this conversation. He might have been, well, he is in the league right now. But <laughs> no, but he might have been a tight end. He might have been a decent tight end if he tried at 20. Yeah, but didn't, didn't Belichick try that? Didn't teams at least flex him but out and it. use I him in other positions? Not, not full time, though. Not full time. When Chip Kelly signed him, I thought Chip Kelly was going to tell him, hey, look, dude, like, I know you want to be quarterback, but this doesn't work out. You know, we kind of need an ace back. We need a tight end to do the things like – and maybe that – I mean, John, you might know more than this than I do. Maybe Chip Kelly said something to him like that last week or two of the preseason. He just went through and he said, I got cut. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys guys are way overthinking this. Here's how (laughs) it went down. Tebow went to Urban Myers and go, hey, I'd like one more shot. And Urban said – all right, what position can I at least sell you on that we can somehow tell a story that you can actually play? And they both kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, tight end? Okay, yeah, we'll go with tight end. He can't play freaking tight end. He doesn't belong in the National Football League. He didn't belong in baseball. It's a big waste of everybody's time. And I am officially done with Tim Tebow. We did a thing at CBSSports.com, Tebow's highlights in the NFL, and I, I had to make the comment, well, that's going to be a really short list. <laughs> <laughs> One playoff game. There it is. Hey, you know, I still don't know how he beat Pittsburgh. I remember yeah. saying to myself, like, oh, God, the sports media world's going to be unbearable. This guy won a playoff game. It, it, it's actually incredible. He has a playoff win in you know, guys like um, well, Kirk Cousins has one now, but you know there were some really Car- good quarterbacks in this league. Car- Carson Wentz doesn't have any playoff wins yeah. yet. No, it he, he ever gets one. Nine snaps. Uh, Tim Tebow's that better playoff career than Carson Wentz. It's a shame. That's yeah. just wrong. All right, hey Jeff, thanks for coming on. We appreciate uh, you spending some time with us. We will tap into you again, my friend. Uh, we'll talk to you down the road. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff Kirk from CBSSports.com uh, here with us on. Birds 365. <laughs> All right, come back. Uh, Johnny Mack and I got a couple more things to get our sink our teeth into. And then Kristen Rogers, former uh, sports reporter here in town, uh, doing a different thing coming up these days. But she's coming up here on Birds 365 in the next 25. So keep it right here.
If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Good day, everyone. It's Krause of Jacob Media. Why am I wearing a Carson Wentz NFC East Pro Bowl jersey? Well, it's the only jersey I will not be able to give away this season, but we will be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys at our 2021 NFL schedule release special broadcast, all presented by Pure Bull. The broadcast will be Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to midnight. You must be subscribed. You must be present to win, and we'll give away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. Also, as we get closer to the season, tickets for every single game on the schedule, both home and away, plus our bus trip and experiences for fans that you will never find anywhere else. All part of the Jacob Media Network. See you next time, everybody. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We got an hour to continue to talk Philadelphia Eagle football here with you. Uh, coming up about 20 minutes. No, hey. person's here, Jody. Oh, <laughs> damn, what are you doing so early? Good I'm morning. Kristen, <laughs> how are you this morning? I am great, Jody. John, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's so great to talk with with everyone in Philadelphia yet again. Um, I'm still ripping all of my Phillies, Sixers, Eagles gear here on the West Coast. So I think I'm getting a few like confused looks at times, but <laughs> it's good to see you, Kristen. We're going to miss you at rookie camp this weekend. Kind of fill us in on what you're doing now. Yes. So I essentially decided to make a pivot. I mean, every industry has changed so much during the pandemic. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, what's going to be the next of what's coming in sports media and entertainment and the broadcasting industry. So I joined an amazing company called Tagboard. And essentially, we do social media integration to help fans and viewers engage in both live sporting events and broadcasts as well. They've got an incredible client list. I'm still working with a lot of Philadelphia teams. So don't worry, I am uh, on the West Coast for now, but I am definitely still keeping Philly very close to me. Uh, and you are. You're going to get a couple strange looks wearing eagle green or Philly red <laughs> pinstripes out there. But, hey, appreciate your continuing to rep out there on the West Coast. How's the weather out there? I, I got to think that that was a pleasant surprise. We haven't had a spring day yet here in the Delaware Valley. Must be nice out yeah. there weather-wise. Oh, the it has been gorgeous so far. You know, I'm just watching the sunrise come up right now. So it's it's beautiful. But I, I do love still getting up early because I feel like I'm. I, it's that fear of missing out, that FOMO. And I feel like I have FOMO not covering all of Philadelphia sports anymore. So I feel like I've been getting up really early anyways, just to go through my Twitter list to see, you know what John's tweeting out, the rest of the Eagles beat riders, just making sure I'm on top of things. Well, we're thrilled you got up early because West Coast guests, you know, morning show, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. But, um, Eagles rookie camp is coming up. Now, I, I want to take back, when you got here at Fox 29, it was 2017, wasn't it? It was, yes. My first year was the Super Bowl run, and what a year that was. I feel so blessed that that was able to be my my introduction into, into Philly sports, if you will. Yeah, it's amazing because they hadn't won since 1960. <laughs> so I don't know if you looked at yourself as a good luck charm. But yeah. then you had to live through the downfall. How much did that surprise you? I, we were just talking about because Doug was back at Mike Quick's Celebrity Golf Tournament. And I know you're a big golfer as well, but um, he was back in town. And I say to myself, how did this guy not get some dispensation from the Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, it's one of those things where I, I look back. I personally, I love interviewing Doug. I love talking with Doug. And I truly will stand by this. I don't think that Doug Peterson lost this Eagles locker room. I do think there was a rift with some of the players if you would go into the locker room. And it felt like you were getting camps kind of divided between yeah. some of the veteran players and some of the younger players. And I've said this before, but I do think that the Eagles, the best thing that they had going for them, especially in 2017, was the culture of this team. Once you took that culture away, because everything was was virtual last year, you know, guys aren't able to spend the same time in the in the locker room. I remember talking with Brandon Graham last year and he said, you know, no one's eating in the cafeteria anymore. So it's not like you have these veteran guys, your Lane Johnson's, your Brendan Brooks. Well, he wasn't there, obviously, but, uh, you know, Fletch, whatnot. 
talking and communicating and building those relationships with those younger players. And so I feel like there, there was this little bit of a, of a rift between kind of the new school and the old school way of, of how things were done. And obviously, as Howie Roseman made the point, things needed to change. And Jeffrey Lurie said the same thing. Things needed to change. They needed to kind of break down from what they had from 2017. They knew they couldn't run it back anymore. But it was really interesting to me to see you know, the kind of the front office really go all in on some of these these younger players and the mentality that I think they had taking a step back from that Eagles culture that I think we all came to to love and respect. And Kristen, while you're right, uh, it just wasn't the same in the <clears throat> pandemic year for the Eagles. The reason why I can't lean on that too heavily, though, is it was the same for everybody else. Uh, everyone was playing under pandemic rules and not being able to spend as much time together and eating in cafeterias and the like. So while it probably hurt the Eagles, it could have maybe even should have hurt other teams just as much. So you need to find another explanation for it. You just don't go from three straight playoff years to four, 11 and one. What did you think was the biggest reason why the Eagles walked off the cliff last year? I mean, no, that that's a great point, Jody. I, th I think especially, too, you know, we went into the, the 2020 season saying, hey, the Eagles are the only team with a veteran head coach in the NFC East. Yep. And not just that, but he's also won a Super Bowl a few years ago. So I, I do think that that was a, an advantage that I think was lost for the Eagles. And um, you know, I don't know if it comes down to communication because I think communication for every team was was tested throughout the pandemic. But I do remember talking with Doug Peterson in a Zoom call one time when Carson Wentz was still starting. And I asked him, I said, Doug, like, how do you communicate with Wentz? Because it was clear that there were some disconnects happening right now. And Doug said, you know, I try to take the same verbiage that Carson's telling me that he's finding wrong in his game and use those same words back to try to create some sort of change and resolve. Clearly we never saw that change or resolve. So I'm curious if you also saw some communication issues kind of break down throughout the team. It just, it felt like the team was being stretched in so many different directions and that there wasn't kind of that unified vision. I mean, you can say you want to win the NFC East every year. You can say you want to make the playoffs, but it just felt like the team was going in too many different directions and never really had that kind of unified voice or goal that I feel like we had seen from them in past years. They just felt very disjointed last year. Is that sort of a, a shelf life thing uh, in your experience, Kristen? Do you believe in the shelf, the so-called shelf life? Everyone says in sports, everybody's got a shelf life. You can be a great coach in this town. We all know Andy Reid was a great coach, but I don't think anyone disagreed with the fact his time here it probably ended yeah um it did doug's time just end i i do think it did i mean i i go back to that just very bizarre jeffrey Lurie press conference oh, after, was just talking. after doug was let go and you know jeffrey said you know he deserves i I'm, i expect him to have a job in the nfl in the future yeah. and i expect him to do great things i think we all expect that as well i mean philadelphia has seen coaches, players, what have you, go on and have just fabulous success outside of the city, which is uh, a little frustrating <laughs> in some senses. But I do think that Doug is going to be one of those guys. It's just a matter of what role he steps in to fill. Because, again, I do think that as we saw kind of that um, degradation from the 2017 season to where the Eagles were last year, so many of the key pieces has kind of fallen out from underneath them. It's not like Doug had that same kind of um, – 
not chain of command, but just uh, how he disseminated information and culture throughout the team as well. So I think at that point, the foundation was gone. And there was, I, you know, I talk a lot about the, the culture of the team. I mean, I say that because we saw how bad the play was on the field. Like, I'm trying to come up with a reason for why we saw that bad play on the field. because It was horrible. Um, but I, I, I do think that it, it was just Doug's time from both an on-field and off-field um, sense of things. Christian, but I think he's going to have great success somewhere else. Christian, as you can well understand, we've talked a lot the last week about Aaron Rodgers and the messiness that is his relationship with the Green Bay Packers these days. We certainly talked about that leading up to the trade of Carson Wentz on how at the end of the season it got bad with Jalen Hurts taking over, Carson not handling it well, basically talking his way out of town. We're still waiting on the divorce between Zach Ertz and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, you covered Zach for your years here in Philadelphia key element of this team, major part of that Super Bowl championship. But this last year, not good. Difference in agreement on what kind of uh, extension his contract should have been. They still haven't come to any kind of – they haven't come to any conclusion to trade him. It's just sitting in abeyance. I guess we're slaves to the calendar that after June 1st, things get easier. But in your mind, is there any going back between Zach Ertz and the Eagles? I don't think there is at this point. I mean, he's a guy that has done so much for this team. But again, if you're going with the idea that the team is, forget the phrase that Howie Roseman has said, retooling, not rebuilding. And, and I think that when, you, when you're looking at that, that, this team is continuing to go young. They're continuing to look for players that are going to fit the future run that they want to go on. I think Zach is immensely talented. I think he is a great locker room guy. I do think that he's going to need another landing spot to maybe rejolt him as well and be re-energized because I mean, as much as he loves Philadelphia, I remember sitting on that zoom call with him and he was so emotional uh, about the city. And I mean, what, what does that say about your players when they're just so emotionally connected to the city as well? I think, I think it's a beautiful thing to see, but I also think, it is time for him to find another landing spot to join a team where I feel like he's going to be able to kind of mentally reset as well. Um, and, and to, to join a program maybe that is going to highlight and feature him more than I think the Eagles would currently do right now. I think we've heard some really good things from the Eagles when it comes to Dallas Goddard and what they think they can do and or what he what he can do. And so I do think that it's time for, for Zach to move on. But when you talk about Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz, how interesting that when you had two starting quarterbacks who had their teams draft younger quarterbacks in last year's draft – and you saw Aaron Rodgers respond perfectly to that kind of motivation. And then obviously what we saw unfold with Carson Wentz was just the exact opposite. So, so interesting. I'd love to know, you know, years from now, talking with those two, again, they're maybe candid, although maybe we'll never get that from Carson, <laughs> reasoning for how they were able to self-motivate in that 2020 season after having their teams draft younger quarterbacks as potentially their, you know, the guys that were going to come up underneath them. Yeah, you mentioned Aaron handled it perfectly on the field, Kristen, but off it, <laughs> it's a mess. the same as Carson. The same as Carson. Yeah. He was not happy. But you mentioned emotion with Zach Ertz. So when I hear the word emotion, I think Nick Sirianni. Your first impressions on the new Eagles head coach. You know what? I go back to one part of his press conference. And again, I'm not going to judge someone until I see 
their first season. I, I need to see how Nick is able to work with these young guys on the field because I do think he's coming and I think he checked a lot of those boxes that that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman talked about during the hiring process. Um, but I go back to Nick Sirianni saying that he had not seen film of Jalen Hurts or these guys <laughs> before coming to the team. And I was like, what? There's no way that, that, that your new head coach has not seen tape of some of these guys. So I think from the media side of things, I'm really interested to see how close he keeps some things to the best. Um, and I think in Philadelphia media, you need a coach that's maybe a little bit more transparent <laughs> in some of that, because of course your head coach has seen film of Jalen Hurts at this point of the season. Of course he's, he went through and watched how things unfolded. So I'm really interested to see how Nick is able to again, work uh, and build up these younger players, because I think, especially when you get to the draft, the Eagles did everything possible to surround Jalen Hurts with players that are going to allow Jalen to succeed. I, I think that offensively they are building around him. I think that's a, a great thing. And I think we knew that was coming after some of the, the, the talk and the rumors from Jeffrey Lurie as well in terms of quarterback competition. Um, but I'm not going to judge Nick Sirianni until I start seeing some more things come out of training camp and I start to see some actual production on the field. Because at this point, I still don't know who this guy is, truly. Kristen, we will see a change in the National Football League this year from last year. And that is the return of the fans. Yes, some teams had partially filled stadiums, Eagles included, <laughs> in that mix, but just nowhere near full-throated uh, sellout crowds like you can get all across the country. But at Lincoln Financial Field, a pretty big uh, part of the Eagles' success over the last three, four, five years, the Doug Peterson era. Will that translate immediately into the Nick Sirianni era? We are coming off a 4-11 and 11 season. How much does getting fans back in the stands specifically help the Eagles in 2021? Well, let me say this. I mean, the Eagles have the best home field advantage when it comes to their fans of any other. And I'm not pandering to Philadelphia. It's true. I mean, it is. I, I will never forget the NFC championship game against the Vikings being down on the field and hearing Meek Mill's dreams and nightmares just blast my ears off and just see the crowd and the players on the field. That is one of my all time favorite moments covering sports because it was truly just a special moment between the fans and the players on the field. That said, I'm very interested to see how some of these younger guys respond to Philadelphia fans, because as we all know, it's not an Eagles game if we don't hear a few boos in the crowd as well. Even when they were doing pumped in crowd noise, I feel like there was a few times we would hear boos when, when the Eagles went three and out. Maybe my, my mind was just playing tricks on me, but I'm interested to see you know, how some of these guys are going to respond when they are facing a little bit more adversity, because I think a lot of people in Philadelphia are so high on Jalen Hurts right now, and rightfully so. I, I think he gave us a, a, a good look at um, maybe what he can do. I'd like to see a full season from him, and especially with some of these new weapons that are coming around him. So I'm interested to see if they face some adversity and they do hear some boos, how this kind of young guard, these, the, these younger guys are going to react. And maybe Nick Sirianni as well, because I, I think Doug, having played in Philly, fully understood what he was walking into as the head coach and how fans were going to react. Nick, I'm not so sure yet, but I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, Kristen, you mentioned that NFC Championship game. I think that was the first time, and I've been covering this league for a long time, uh, I saw that team's heart be pulled out when Patrick Robinson had the pick six, Chris Long with the almost sack of, of Case Keenum. 
you could hear that noise in South Jersey across the river. It was amazing, Jody. And and literally, I think people forget the Vikings were playing well. The Vikings were ahead seven to nothing. And they had the football and were driving a little bit. And the, the fan base just completely turned that game around. But I do want to shift gears to the quarterback for a couple reasons. One, you mentioned Nick Sirianni did not watch tape of Jalen Hurts. We know he was saying you have. So to me, and I look at, and I also want your thoughts on, on is it Keaton Slovis? You're yes. a Southern Calper. So I want your scouting report on the 2022 draft, because it seems to me the Eagles are giving Jalen Hurts one year with the eye on getting a quarterback next year. I, I would I would agree with you. Um, I I still think maybe it's Howie more than anything. And, you know, I, I say Howie whenever I just think about the front office. But I do think Howie is, is running things right now. I do think that um, I, I think Howie wants to so be right about the Jalen Hurts story after everything we saw happen with Carson Wentz. And I think that's an easy thing to say. But I, I do think, you know, when we go to this draft that the Eagles did a great job of building pieces around him. I mean, you look up Devonta Smith, you look at, you know, some of the, the younger pieces that they already have in place. And I, I think Hertz is setting himself up for success. I also think if you go to social media, you know, he's been out working with some of these young receivers as well. So he is checking all of the right boxes for fans to say, look, he's taking time. He's working with young guys. Remember, that's what we used to saw. We used to see Carson Wentz do that in the offseason, whether it was I know a lot of the guys spent time in Texas the last few years. But, you know, after his his rookie year, all the guys went to North Dakota and it seems like things were really able to click with that off-season training, just kind of one-on-one. -on -one. So I think Jalen's checking all the right boxes. I do think the Eagles, as the quarterback factory, are always going to keep an eye to the future, an eye to what's happening next. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're continuing to look for um, to, to look for the what's next, especially when you look at where this team is positioned right now in the NFC East. I, I think that you, you're seeing the Cowboys put together – a good offseason. I think you're seeing, you know, the the Giants, I think you're seeing Washington continue to position themselves in maybe a stronger way than the Eagles right now, just because the Eagles are coming off of that abysmal 2020 season. So it's really interesting to see in that kind of NFC arms race. And I can't believe I just said that because the NFC was just an utter hot piece of garbage <laughs> last year. But you know, what team is, is going to emerge from, from that pile? So I, I do think the Eagles are always going to have a, an, an eye to the quarterback, but I don't know. I think they're going to get, I think there's a little bit longer of a leash on Jalen Hurts right now, but maybe that's just me coming from the outside perspective. I think Howie genuinely wants to see him succeed so that Howie looks a little smarter in that situation. The NFC least rivalries are still in place. The level of the quality to be determined this year <laughs> after last year. Uh, but you mentioned the quarterback factory. Every once in a while, you got to ship something out of the factory rather than keep it in house. And that's what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. Reunited with Frank Reich, Colts a pretty good football team these last few years, but not truly a Super Bowl contender. Frank is talking up his new QB pretty good. How's it going to go for Carson in Indianapolis? I mean, I think from the fans, I think from the setting, and I think from a guy that he truly trusts, I think everything is lining up for Carson Wentz right now. Now, I don't know how much success that is going to um, – how, how much success we're truly going to see – from the Colts and Carson, but I think from him 
maybe work-wise and life-wise, I think things are looking very, very good. Now we're seeing the Colts make a few moves. You know, they did just bring in that left tackle to give Carson some actual blindside protection. So I'm interested to see how things look uh, with that Carson Wentz Frank Wright connection once again. But again, I don't know how much success we're going to see from that. I just know that Carson is going to be probably a little bit more comfortable. But I, I think even in a new situation, we can't argue with the fact that we saw a broken Carson Wentz last year. We saw him try to do way too much early on. And just I, I think after the second half of their their opener, we saw really uh, – kind of degrading of Carson once we we saw him just can that was the moment I feel like that we saw Carson try to do too much we saw the picks come we saw the poor decision making and I don't know how much we're going to actually see that change in Indianapolis um, if he gets into some tough situations but we'll see I do think that for him though he has to be personally a little bit more happier and um, I, I do think that if someone can fix Carson Wentz um, I, I do think that Frank Reich is going to be that guy to do it. Uh, Kristen, I want to thank you again for getting up early this morning with, with Jody and I. Last one for me, and I'm taking the Super Bowl off the table because that's too easy, but yeah. I want your favorite sports moment you got to cover while you were here besides the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would have to say it's it's not Eagles. I mean, I already told you about the NFC Championship moment pregame because that was just unreal, but um, probably the Bryce Harbor signing um, with the Phillies. I mean, you know, I was blessed enough to, to cover Villanova win the national championship again in 2018 as well, and two parades down Broad Street that year. But um, the Bryce Harbor news was just incredible because it felt like, you know, that that scene in, in Anchorman Panda Watch, like it was Bryce Harper Watch. Like we were on it for so long. And I remember I was sitting in our sports office at Fox 29 and I got a text come through and then about, 30 seconds later, the news broke that Bryce Harper was signing with the Phillies. And I was told, go to the airport. I had a go bag that had been sitting at the station for about two weeks. And I was told, go to the airport. We'll find you a plane by the time that you get there. Hopped on a plane and, and covered the Bryce Harper signing and whatnot. And I remember I was able to get the first local TV interview um, down there in Clearwater with Bryce. And it was just a, a madhouse. And it was incredible to see this unfold. And I, I, it's, it's been a lot of fun, even just trying to stream the Phillies out here too. I, I, you know, I, I think the, the, the NFC East, I think the NL East was a, a division that I was really high on. And I think we haven't seen it quite live up to expectations just yet, but um, it, it has been a lot of fun to see um, again, how this team is continuing to grow under Joe Girardi. Cause I'm a big fan of his as well, but I would have to say the Bryce Harper signing. Very cool story. Um, but just in general, and last one for me, before you got here to uh, Philadelphia, uh, you knew we were going to ask you about football because John did the beat thing with you and we are Eagle uh, Birds 365. But what is your favorite sport? Is it football? Is it baseball? You talk glowingly about Bryce there. I know I you know. were a former hoop girl up there in Portland, too. What yeah. is your favorite sport to cover? So, well, covering it had to be the Eagles. There's no question. I mean, and and especially how high the city of Philadelphia is on the Eagles. How ride or die they are on the Eagles, I should say. But, you know, I, I do miss the days pre-pandemic being in the locker room, you know, with the guys every day. And, um, you know, one of my favorite stories that I love to tell is, you know, Jason Kelsey, his fun fact in his Eagles um, media guide used to be that he would listen to Christmas music 
before every single game because he said it was the happiest music that he could think of. And I remember, uh, I think it was, you know, early December of, of 2018 and um, was was talking with Jason and kind of brought up the fun fact. And I feel like every single day for a week that week, he would come with come to me with a new Christmas song. So I asked him what his all time favorite Christmas mm-hmm. song was. And he would kind of like find me in the locker room. He's like, no, no, it's this one. It's this one. Um, so, you know, there, there's moments like that where how can you not love that Eagles team? Because they genuinely had so many good guys on that team and personalities and, and really just getting a chance to know them on the human level as well. So that was absolutely amazing. Love covering football. I will say baseball was my first love. Growing up in San Francisco, the Giants are truly something special. So um, listening to to the radio every day and and especially in summertime, that was what made me fall in love with sports. But covering the NFL and covering the Philadelphia Eagles, highlight of my career. Kristen, great stuff. Made the career only get bigger in your new venue and venture out there on the West Coast. We miss you here in Philly. Thanks so much for getting up early with us today. Of course. Thank you guys so much. We will uh, be reaching out again for Christian Rogers. Uh, she was very good um, and uh, gave John McMullen a run for his money in breaking those Eagles stories when she was on the Eagle beat. And yes, I could see why the players would rather talk to her than you, Johnny <laughs> Mack. But uh, just the same, uh, we had a great time talking with Christian Rogers. All right, uh, coming back, we still got plenty of time to chat you up about the birds. Big week, schedule release, rookie mini camp. We'll talk about both coming back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Good day, everyone. It's Krause of Jacob Media. Why am I wearing a Carson Wentz NFC East Pro Bowl jersey? Well, it's the only jersey I will not be able to give away this season, but we will be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys at our 2021 NFL schedule release special broadcast, all presented by Pure Bull. The broadcast will be Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to midnight. You must be subscribed. You must be present to win. And we'll give away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. Also, as we get closer to the season, tickets for every single game on the schedule, both home and away, plus our bus trip and experiences for fans that you will never find anywhere else. All part of the Jacob Media Network. See you next time, everybody. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back here to Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you. Still got plenty of time to chat you up on the Birds here today. Thank Kristen Rogers for coming on. Uh, I never got the chance to work with her or side-by-side with her. I've done a couple of guest TV spots on Fox, but never with Kristen. And she's a diehard Eagle fan. She kind of wore her fandom on her sleeve there did good very good report i enjoyed watching her on tv she did a good job of covering them but i didn't realize some people it's a job we talked about this you talked about it extensively in a column last week on how players some look at it as a job and that they don't really love football they love getting paid for playing football but treat it as a job sounds to me like Kristen was a darn good fan when she was doing her job covering the teams here in town yeah, I mean, she loved her job. I often say, you, you know, we're beat writers. We're there every day. Kristen's covering the Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, you know, Flyers, Villanova, everything. And she was there every day at, at Eagles practice, basically, you know, pre-pandemic when everything was normal, which I thought was really impressive because it gets, you know, it gets tiresome. It gets tough. But if you want to know what's going on with the team, if you want to understand what's going on with the team, you got to be there. Uh, there's no other way. There's no other way to do it. Uh, so he's always very impressed with that. We, we, we're we lucky to have great TV people in town. We're going to have Jeff Skiversky on later this week from 6ABC. John Clark, I love, is, you know, lucky enough to be on the show earlier. Um, you know, usually – TV people are TV people and they, you know, they do the sports cast and go home. We're lucky enough in this town to, to have people that do the work, which I think is pretty impressive. She was one who did that while well, she was here in town and best of luck with our new venture. Speaking of good reporters, I got to give a nod to your compatriot at uh, phillyvoice.com, Jimmy Kemsky. Yesterday I had a good breakdown article on phillyvoice.com about the Eagles and their cap situation that, those who suggest you well, they got to get their rookie sign going to be a pain. Well, no, you got to understand the no, math no. that it's only the top 51 and Eagles have a bunch of guys that are in their top 51. And you compare the rookies that are coming in the top guys, which are Devonta Smith and Dickerson, of course, uh, the salaries do scale from number one on down. It's the difference between what they're scheduled to make. And those are all slotted in as compared to what the other guys uh, are making at the bottom of the 51, which is 850,000, which is the minimum uh, for players. Eagles are going to get all their rookie draft picks done. That's easy. They've got enough cap room now to do that without even making any moves. 
But once mm-hmm. they do that, then getting another player in here could be a bit tricky, and they may have to be able to move some money around. The question is cornerback, John. I, I'm sorry that I have to do this to you every day we come on here on Birds 365, but until they do add another cornerback to this roster, the question is, Who's still sitting out there? What is the cost? Why haven't the Eagles been able to get something done with a guy like Jimmy Nelson? Why haven't the Eagles been able to get a a deal done with a guy like Jimmy Nelson? If that's a guy they rank number one. Yeah, well, it's Steven Nelson, so I'll I'll correct you there from Pittsburgh. I say Jimmy, my bad. Sorry, Steven. No no problem. But um, I just want to correct it for the listeners. But Steven Nelson from Pittsburgh is – regarded as the best cornerback still left on the market. And he is sort of waiting. You saw Eric Fisher sign with Indianapolis. Uh, Jeff Kerr mentioned that. He got decent money, Jody, coming off a torn Achilles. Now that's a Pro Bowl-level player at at his height. Um, But still, at this time where people have already budgeted, teams have already budgeted and allotted certain amounts, uh, sometimes it's difficult to get those bigger deals. And I think Nelson is holding out for, you know, probably more than one year, probably significant money at a position where there's always a dearth of players. So I think the Eagles are kind of waiting it out and and seeing will his number come down to where it's a little bit more palatable for us from a financial standpoint. If that happens, um, they would leave. I mean, if he took the – the Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, one-year deals, I think they would have leaped. Uh, but he still thinks there will be a bigger market in sort of that phase three free agency. To be honest, he's probably right because the Eagles aren't the only team looking at a cornerback. There's some other guys out there, Gary and Conley's a young guy who's had, you know, the good pedigree but has a lot of issues for whatever reason. Eagles haven't seemed interested yet. Um, and how we mentioned Jody, the trade market, and he specifically mentioned Ronald Darby in 2017, who they traded for in August. So look, what I can tell you is the Eagles are going to bring in a body. The only thing I can't tell you is who is that body. I think it's just as likely to be a trade in training camp as somebody like Steven Nelson. Well, and training camp, the closer you get to week one in the league, the more dicey it is. Sometimes the availability increases and gets more palatable, to use your word, on a financial end. Sometimes it gets worse. That's a risky game to play. Yeah, I'm no that if you're going to wait, that it's just the market's going to come down. No, sometimes the market goes up. And they so desperately need a cornerback right now, it's starting to worry me. I guess that we're going to have to put up with this for a minimum of three more weeks because I get it. The the NFL is a league of rules and dates and post June 1st teams have already used their pre June 1st uh, count against the two years cap hit in most places like the Eagles. Um, But once you get past June 1st, then yes, if you release somebody, move somebody on in a deal, you can spread that cap hit out over two years. So basically, we sit here for the next uh, three weeks and just wait till we get to June 1st. You know, I'll tell you, Jody, this weekend might mean something. Now, we always talk about rookie camps and saying, how much could you possibly learn? Well, you could learn a lot if you're a coaching staff. Now, 
you're you're not going out there with pads. You're not going out there with press coverage. But I got news for you. Zach Zach McPherson comes in here and they go, "Ooh, this so, guy's not even close to being ready." That might speed things up. And so you know, it, it could be something as simple as that. These teams, you know, it happens every year in the NFL. We we know it. Uh, they you draft players. Everybody falls in love. This guy's great. This guy's great. Fifth rounder's going to do this. Fourth rounder's going to do this. Sixth rounder's going to do that. Then the coaches get him on the field and they go, this guy's not ready. This guy's not even close to being ready. We got to go in a different direction. That's why you have people like Ryan Kerrigan out there and Melvin Ingram and Steven Nelson. And that's why they're waiting. They're waiting for the coaches to get in there and going, uh-oh. And then they come back to the negotiating table and say, yeah, all right, we're ready to talk in a, in a meaningful fashion. So it could be something as, as, as this weekend that kind of spurs action that maybe wasn't there before this weekend. And it goes both ways. Uh, the players believe the market is going to get better. The ownership believes the market is going to get depressed. You don't really know, and we yeah. will as get closer to the opening of real camp, get a better grasp on which way the market is headed. Uh, cornerback is certainly a position that the Eagles have to deal with. I do want to ask you about another position, and we kind of touched on it. I asked Kristen about uh, Zach Ertz. We're all working under the assumption that the Eagles are going to do something with Zach Ertz, despite the fact that Howie Roseman came out, said good things, so still appreciate Zach Ertz. Uh, we need a particular value for Zach Ertz if we're going to move on. They haven't done anything. It will get easier after June 1st. But most of us believe there's too much bad blood here and that the Eagles are going to have to do something. And Zach Ertz will be elsewhere. Certainly Dallas Goddard will be the Eagles starting tight end. Who's going to be the backup? Do they even worry about or have a third string tight end? When I look at the Eagle roster, oh, they got a ton of bodies at tight end, but they're all unproven. Can any yeah. of them play? No. Well, we don't know. I mean, you know, I always brought. We talked about Tim Tebow moving to tight end. You know, people. There might be a couple of guys on this Eagle list that I would take Tim Tebow over at oh, tight end. Well, I don't know about that, but Tyree Jackson is a guy they have. He used to play quarterback at Buffalo. You go back to. Um, Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was a star quarterback at Virginia Tech, uh, shifted to tight end at the pro level, now is turning into a very good player with Washington. Eagles have a couple of these guys uh, in, in Tyree Jackson. Hakeem Butler, everybody remembers him from Doug Peterson trying to use him at the goal line. He was a wide receiver, sort of a king-sized wide receiver in college. Uh, Jason Kroom is still here. Caleb Wilson still here. Um, they have a lot of bodies at tight end. You're right. None of them are proven. They're going to sign a kid from Nebraska as an undrafted free agent who's more of a Y-back. He might have a chance. I am a little surprised with the way Richard Rodgers played last season. They don't bring him back. And maybe they will bring him back. Maybe when they finally move on from Zach Ertz, and it is post-June 1st, and nobody signed in Richard Rodgers because of his age and lack of speed. But the guy just produces when he's put out there. I, I would have brought him back. I think there's still a chance he'll be brought back when they do officially move on from Zach Ertz. So that is probably 
in the back pocket, so to speak, for the Eagles that we'll just bring Richard Rodgers back if we need to. But we want to look at all these young bodies. Same thing at corner. That's what you always want to do. Let's see what the young guys have. If they don't have anything, then we make the call. I think Understood. that's what he is. Here, here's my question about Rodgers. And you're right. Last year, I thought he played quite well, despite everyone played saying really well. he doesn't block, he doesn't have speed, he doesn't get separation. All he did was make plays and catch footballs and move the chains. Yeah, I so I was I was appreciative of what he contributed on a bad football team. As others were struggling mightily, he was a guy who I thought produced more than was expected of him, and I give him a lot of credit for that. But that was the old regime. It was the old coaching staff. This new coaching staff, other than watching film, has no ties to Richard Rodgers. That's one of the reasons why I don't think he's here. If Doug Peterson were the coach, still, I think he would actually be already on the roster. It's possible. Um, You know, Richard reminds me of that sort of the crafty basketball player. Should be able to do things athletically, but still makes plays and finds a way. It just understands how to play the game that's that to me is Richard Rogers you're right I mean he doesn't have that that goodwill built up in the bank with this coaching staff and you know they probably look at it more as well this guy can't run he's not that great of a blocker um you know let's see if we can do better I have no problem with them trying to do better but if they can't do better you got to have him on speed dial. He's still out there. And then right now, the Eagles, as long as Zach Ertz is still here, then they can at least put the front out there that, well, Zach Ertz is still on our roster. And Zach Ertz is someone who can contribute for us. You know, I know that they are uh, laying in the weeds to be able to do something with Zach Ertz. I think certain members of the media have overplayed Zach Ertz's worth on the open market. No, we uh, haven't. The Eagles have. Well, the Eagles and and certain media members, um, not yours truly, because uh, the just I think the NFL is getting wise to relationships the teams are having. You guys are so good at it, reporting in and day in and day out. Uh, there are no trade secrets in the National Football League anymore. People aren't going to make an offer for Zach Gertz because if you firmly believe. He's going to be released. Nobody's going to give him anything. The league has spoken, even though it's all in hushed terms. Uh, they're just not going to make a trade for him. We'll just wait till he's free. And then we get to dictate terms on his salary rather than the cap number he currently has with the Eagles. That's what's going to happen. If Zach Ertz is going to be an ex-Philadelphia Eagle, I'm guaranteeing you it's going to be because he's released. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, at this stage, that looks like the most likely scenario. Uh, the Eagles have been asking for too much, to be honest. I mean, with his contract coming off a bad season at his age, you're not going to get a third-round pick. It's silly to think that. Um, so ultimately, we're heading towards speeding towards June 1st. Zach doesn't want to be here. You've heard that from me and everybody else who covers this team. We're not making it up. Um, he doesn't want to be here. I don't think the Eagles want to force him to be here. So, yeah, the most likely path is he's going to be released post-June 1st. And you start to put together, you know, Jason Kroon, Caleb Wilson, Hakeem Butler, Tyree Jackson, Jack Stoll. Those are your backup tight ends. 
a lot of bodies, throw a lot, buy a lot of lottery tickets, Jody, maybe you hit one. It's funny that Tyree Jackson is one of the guys you're mentioning. I actually thought he was pretty good. I watched him play quarterback of Buffalo, and I thought he had a chance to be a quarterback in this league, maybe more so than a guy like Tim Tebow. But I guess quarterback to tight end is a move we should be looking for more often than it has transpired. Yeah, Logan Thomas, like I said, right down in Washington. He was a good quarterback at Virginia Tech. It took him a while, but now he's a good NFL tight end. He's good. It uh, is is something that we're not used to, but it is something we do have to keep our eye on. All right, uh, I do want to ask you this. This upcoming rookie minicamp, are you guys as members of the media going to be given minimal access, a decent window of access? Is it all going to be Zoom? Are you going to be able to actually view any of the practice time they put in this week? That's a good question, Jody. Typically, yes. Um, I expect we are going to be allowed into practice one day, uh, Friday. Uh, so hopefully it's a little bit later uh, because I have to be on Birds 365. So I'm guessing we're going to be allowed in Friday. All the uh, interviewing is still virtual at this point. Nothing has changed from that standpoint. But I'm looking forward to getting back on the field. I never thought I'd say that. It, football practice is not exciting. But, <laughs> you know, you, you you learn to miss things when you don't have them. And the fact that we're not able to see practice, it was scaled back so much during the pandemic. I'm excited to get out there and just see some some ball, as Nick Sirianni would say. And one thing I can say about my partner is that he absolutely gives you an unbiased evaluation of player performance so if he should come back here on birds 365 on monday and say hey i saw it with my own eyes jamie newman out through jalen Hurts." it's well, gonna Jalen's be because- not gonna be out there so jamie's gonna out throw him i'm gonna Excuse- say that what's that jalen's not gonna be out there so jamie is going to out throw him <laughs> that's true but you you can use your memory of what jalen hurts throws used to look like and you might be able to compare that i hear what you're saying in your mind to what jamie newman well, i'm is already able. gonna say it so xander crack this one up jamie newman's gonna have a stronger arm i've read the scouting report okay well uh, he can actually uh, justify that by seeing jamie newman throw in an eagle uniform for the first time this week if they are given access to practices with the rookies. And yes, by the way, I do expect Jalen Hurts there. And I expect him to say to Devonta Smith after practice is over and done with, hey, can you and I just go out back on the field? You want to throw the ball around? It's not going to mean anything. You guys aren't going to be able to see it. But I do think he's going to be there and be in the room and be with his new teammates. He needs to. He is now the leader of this football team. The two leaders are always the coach and the quarterback. And both of them are relatively new. Nick Sirianni is unquestionably new. And Jalen Hurts got all of four games in as the leader of this squad yeah. last year. He needs to establish himself. He's got to be there in the locker room. Uh, he he is a leader. I have no question about that. So I I don't I don't concern myself one bit about Jalen Hurts building up a rapport with these players. Not even a question to me. He's already working in Texas all the time with the players and, and with certain receivers. Uh, he's been going above and beyond to get ready for this opportunity. 
my concern is uh, how real of an opportunity it's going to be. So people can run with that any way they want to run with it. And while I bring up Jamie Newman, for people who don't know Jamie Newman, 6'4", 230. I mean, he can throw the you-know-what out of the football. The question is, does he have any accuracy? I think it's a good undrafted signing, though, for the Eagles. Most people rated that kid as a draftable commodity. Uh, So uh, I'm a little bit excited to see him as a potential number three quarterback. But that's all he is, number three quarterback. You and I had a couple of, uh, before the draft went down, um, speculated, uh, advanced scouts, people put out mock drafts, people who should have an opinion on, on quarterbacks. On as guest, I did on my radio shows for months leading up to the drafts, and I would ask the same question almost every time. If the Eagles don't take a quarterback in the first round, Justin Fields, hoping didn't happen. Uh, don't think they're going to take one in the second round. Uh, they did that last year, been there, done that with Hurts. Third, fourth, maybe, probably more like fifth, sixth, seventh. Who is the guy who the Eagles would take with a day three draft pick? Probably not the first uh, round. But five, six, seven. Jamie Newman was almost the choice across the board. Every time I asked that question, the answer was, well, Jamie Newman sat out the year, but was highly thought of. Everybody who answered that question answered it the same way. So they got the guy that a bunch of people pointed to, and they didn't even have to use a draft pick to do it. They got him as an undrafted free agent. So I think that's one of the wins from this patch. Oh, I thought it was a huge win. I'm going to go this far. I don't want to overstate this, Jody, but this kid was going to transfer to Georgia in the SEC. He was going to be the starting quarterback at Georgia. I guarantee you he would have been a day two pick if he would have played last season. Now, what does that mean? I I don't know. For development down the line, but this is not your typical undrafted rookie. He's got a lot of talent. People were looking at him as a potential star at a big-time college program. And we just talked about guys raising up the board at the quarterback position. This guy would have raised up the board pretty significantly. Pretty significant. Uh, I tend to agree. It was from Wake Forest to Georgia, which you don't usually see that kind of a jump. Now, transferring is the norm in college football. For years, it wasn't because you had to sit out a year and nobody wanted to do that. But it has become much more commonplace uh, to move. But usually you don't see a step up. The SEC is uh, bigger than the ACC, at least in my mind. Uh, and Wake Forest as a program isn't on the level of a Georgia. So that says something that he was going to be making that kind of a move. But the thing we don't know, and we're not going to know about a bunch of these guys coming in this year's draft. How much does a year off at that age affect a player's development? It, it's different with every single age. A guy who's already in the league, uh, injury out for an entire year. Well, there was no injury involved here, but still, a year away from football is a year away from football. The good news is yeah, neither one of us really believe Newman's going to be a factor this year. Uh, It's going to be Hurts. It's going to be Flacco. He's going to be on the practice squad. Um, So it's not like uh, they're going to throw him into the deep end of the pool and ask him to actually produce on the field. But a year away is something that, especially at the quarterback position, I don't know how it's going to affect players. Do you? 
No, especially at that position. Look, I, you know, Jamar Chase, I think, is going to be fine. Panay Sewell, I think, are, is going to be fine for two reasons. One, talent. They're just so talented. But also, it isn't, you know, that complicated, as complicated as the quarterback position. I, I, I am concerned about quarterbacks who sat out. And obviously, Jamie Newman is one of them. Um, you know, grad transfers a little bit different. You think about Russell Wilson, he was probably the first going from North Carolina State to Wisconsin. You see it all the time now. That's what he was doing. That's what he was going to embark on. And again, I think that high profile setting of the SEC, and let's be honest, Georgia was going to have success. It's just a matter of how much success. I think it would have really helped them. And hey, the kid didn't get drafted. That tells you all you needed to know. If he would have played, he would have got drafted. Simple as that. He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. Let's take a final time out here. You know what we need to do? We need to come back and put a bow on the show. We will do just that. Coming back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Good day, everyone. It's Krause with Jacob Media. Why am I wearing a Carson Wentz NFC East Pro Bowl jersey? Well, it's the only jersey I will not be able to give away this season, but we will be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys at our 2021 NFL schedule release special broadcast, all presented by Pure Bull. The broadcast will be Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to midnight. You must be subscribed. You must be present to win, and we'll give away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. Also, as we get closer to the season, tickets for every single game on the schedule, both home and away, plus our bus trip and experiences for fans that you will never find anywhere else. All part of the Jacob Media Network. See you next time, everybody. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mag. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. down the home stretch on a uh, Tuesday affair here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We got a couple of people we need to thank. Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com hopped on board, uh, gave us some good Eagle insight. Uh, enjoyed having Jeff on, but it, uh, even enjoyed even more. Kristen Rogers joining us, former Fox Sports anchor, now back out on the West Coast. You'll be missed here in Philadelphia, and you could tell. Not only is she a good reporter, but she was a fan. She became a Philadelphia and rooted for the hometown teams. Uh, we will certainly be getting her on in the upcoming months before the season gets underway. Uh, other people we will be getting on, including tomorrow, guy by the name of Quick, played a little football here in town, not a bad player in his day. I've kind of compared what I believe Devonta Smith is going to be able to do here in Philly to a Mike Quick, the last truly homegrown all-pro player at that position, uh, Mike Quick's going to come on with us. And the funny thing was, and Mike didn't tell me this. I didn't even know it. Shame on me. I reached out to him last week, said, can you come on next week? said, yeah, sure. Monday would be good. And within a half an hour, 45 minutes, he got back to me and said, oh, Jody, my bad. Can't do Monday. I got to go out and play some golf. Uh, can we move to Wednesday? So I said, Mike, if you want to do Wednesday, we'll put you out on Wednesday. Little did I know it was his golf tournament that he was talking about. I thought he was just going to the local Muni to try and get 18 in on Monday. No, he had a charity golf tournament, which included Johnny Peterson. Yeah, he didn't tell us Doug was going to be back in town and, and playing the golf tournament. So we'll have to rib uh, Mike about that. But you're right. Nobody knows the wide receiver position better than Mike Quick. So we can get some good intel on Devontae Smith, obviously. And also, former NFL GM Randy Mueller is going to be on. So that's exciting. That's right. we got two good guests coming your way. And you're also right. Hey, shame on me, because I should have known it was Mike's own charity golf tournament that he was hosting. And I didn't mention it to him on the text when we were going back and forth. He didn't mention it to me either. So if you're going to shame Mike, you're going to shame me too, because I didn't know. Uh, so that's on me. That's my bad. But I am very much looking forward to talking to Mike and Randy Mueller and getting his take on how good Howie Roseman plays the draft game. Um, talent evaluation is talent evaluation, and that proves itself out over time, over years, and how he is okay at best. But I still believe he's good at Howie's oh, great up. at generating value. Tremendous. People hate when I say that, but he's great at it. You and I are on the same page there. I think you got to give the devil his due, and Howie's pretty damn good at that. All right, uh, partner, we be out of time. What do you got planned for the rest of the day? Um, Work, 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 Jody. Okay. Work. Never ends. Got to get ready for column, rookie mini column. Uh, we talking about trimming hedges, or what kind of work are we talking no, about? Sports Illustrated, Billy Boys, more Jacob Media work. Uh, work, work, work. You are a workaholic. I'm going to get a nap. The hell with it. I was up till 2 o'clock in the morning on WIP. Uh, but then I'll get up. I'll do some more work, too. I'll be on WIP tonight after the Phillies game. And I know for a fact that I will re be right back here with my partner, John McMullen, in 22 hours. 
We appreciate everybody who tuned in for the live stream. If you want to go back and catch Jeff Kerr and Kristen Rogers, you can get that right here on the YouTube page as well. Both interviews I thought were pretty good. You should, uh, if you're just tuning in now, jump back, catch both of those guys. Be here tomorrow. Mueller and Quick, two good guests coming your way on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.